What's up, everybody? Over the last two decades, my next guest bought, founded, and invested in two dozen small businesses, and on paper, it's a huge success, building a $40 million portfolio from a $9,000 investment. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how he overcame some mental battles to become the man he is today and how he's helping other entrepreneurs be successful as well. Stay tuned to today's show. Five, four, three, two. One. This is the Good Dudes Grow 2.0. On the Good Dudes Grow 2.0, we're here to let you know the importance of plant-based medicine and psychedelics on mental and physical health. We're bringing you stories of how these medicines have changed lives and can save lives. We want to teach you the healing power of plant-based medicine. This is the Good Dudes Grow 2.0. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Good Dudes Grow Show. I'm your host, Gary Roberts, once again. I'm here with uh, somebody that we connected on LinkedIn, and he has a, a pretty interesting story, I think, that'll help uh, a lot of people out. It's kind of like a tale of him forgiving himself, finding a little bit of faith, and then building some inner peace, doing some work on himself. And I think nowadays, with everything that's going, around, going on in the world, I think it might be something that a lot of people need to hear. So... Casey Cavell, I'm glad you came to the show. I'm glad to have you on. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Gary, good to be here. Uh, gosh, a little bit about myself. So I'm a husband, married to my wife, Connie. It's, what, seven years now. We have two little ones under two, two more on the way come January. So we are going to be a family of six with four kids under two and a half here in a few months. So cool. we are prepping for that. And just like any business, uh, you got to have a team around you. You got to have the right people in the right seats. And uh, um, yeah, so that's where I spend a lot of my time. I'm a sports guy. I love sports. I played it, uh, played college baseball, and then started a bunch of baseball academies after kind of my career was over and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's been good. Well, that's awesome. Awesome. Speaking of baseball, let's jump right into it. You said you built a lot of baseball academies. You love sports, but baseball wasn't always a high for you wasn't always it, it ended up not being you know what you thought it would be correct yeah I mean you know I had kind of a goal when I started playing baseball as a little kid like I want to be a major league baseball player and um, the first goal to that was to become a college baseball player and I kind of accomplished that goal but you know looking at my baseball journey it was very performance driven I was never free like right I, there was just a lot of pressure at every level to make it to the next level to make it to the next level and make it to the next level. And in baseball, it's a game of failure. And I didn't know how to handle failure. And failure is a part of life. You're never going to ultimately get exactly what you want, exactly when you want it. So I just had this mentality of I had to be the best at everything. But when you're in business or playing baseball or any sport, like you're never going to always win. And I did not know how to like control the losses and control the downside. Well, it's interesting because you, you have, there, there's two, two things there I want to touch on, pressure and failure. Most of the people think they go hand in hand, but sometimes pressure is good. Sometimes failure is bad. And sometimes it's the other way around. Was that pressure always built by yourself, your, your own mind, or was it built by other people? Yeah, I think it was others. Um, and when I look back at it, why? I think it's because, you know, I was told certain things, you know, throughout my course of life. And I think a lot of people are. They're given a label. You know, I was given a label early as an elementary school student of kind of stupid, like not good enough kind of thing. Like the teacher said, hey, he's in the class that's not with 
all the other normal kids. They put me in the other class with all the other kids that were labeled as not good enough or behind the curve. And I, I think I spent the majority of my life trying to prove that I wasn't behind the curve, that I was ahead of the curve. I was better than what these people said I was, whether it was in, on the baseball field or, you know, in the boardroom, like I had to be the best because everybody else said I wasn't good enough. And I think that kind of became a thought in my own mind that I'm not good enough. And when you're not good enough, the only thing you can do to prove it that you are good enough is to be the best at everything. But that's an exhausting way to live life. Yeah, that, I, I played soccer when I was in high school. And my goal was actually my coach was actually a uh, soccer player from England. So, you know, like Canada soccer wasn't very big back then. But, you know, England, it's, you know, football out right. there is still huge. So when they said, you know, you have an opportunity to do something, I said, OK, let, let's go for it. And I ended up being actually playing not only on my team, but playing on a team higher, which was, you know, the 11th graders. I was, I'll say I was ninth grade, 11th graders. And then after that, I was actually brought in to play on a team, uh, college team at the same time. So I was playing in three different teams, trying to get to where I was going. And I can, I understand what you're saying. The pressure is consistent. I wasn't the best soccer yeah. player. I was an extremely good defensive soccer player and supportive soccer player. So I could support other people, but trying to be the best when you're just not you're just not, but you're trying to be the best to get to the next level. I can understand the pressure that goes, goes with that. What did your parents, did your parents put more pressure on you? Did they just let you go and do your own thing? How did they do it? Cause I know my dad was like, all right, kid, you're an aggressive kid. Go do your thing. I want you to kick, kick, you know, kick ass, go take this guy out, go take that guy. Don't show no fear, do nothing. And I'm like, okay, well doing that three, four times a day when you're like 14, 12 years old, after a while, you, you, know, you think every day has got to be like that. Yeah. You know, looking at my parents, they were very supportive and encouraging. They were always like, you had a great game, no matter how well I did or how well I did not do. And my mom was always like, hey, you got a bunch of hits today. I'm like, mom, I got one hit. I just hit the ball four out of four times. Right? It doesn't really matter. So my parents were encouraging. And, you know, I don't know where, you know, it ultimately came from. I think I was just given this, this label. I was really loud and I talked a ton and I probably brought on a lot of kind of negative feedback just by how I was, right? I was always like, hey, I'm going to be great. And when you're told you're not nearly as good as what you think, I'm like, hey, I'm going to prove it to you kind of thing. Um, you know, so I think that was kind of it. And then, you know, even in baseball transitioning to business, I had the same kind of issue in business and I chased perfection in business because in business it was Hey, you got to be better than your dad because my dad was a business person, entrepreneur, but he had some wins and he had a lot of losses as well. And I saw some of the businesses that he built and they didn't work. And I'm like, okay, I can't be that because I saw how it impacted our family. You know, my mom, my, my siblings, right? It's not fun to be in a family when you have mom and dad not on the same page and mom not truly supporting dad in his business endeavors. And businesses don't really always make it. And my dad didn't handle it well. My mom didn't handle it well. So when I started my business career, I'm like, all right, I got to be the best at it. Failure is not an option. But in business, it's the same thing as baseball. Like you're not always going to have a great day. Things aren't going to go as planned. And a lot of pressure built up. And thankfully, I was able to build a lot of really cool businesses that were financially profitable and had a successful track record on paper. But it was just exhausting. And, you know, I, I burned out as a result. Right, right. 
So transitioning to the business, how did you feel your self-worth was compared to sports? Because I, I, you know, was it, was it the same? I know a lot of people compare them a little bit. I compare them a little bit myself, but it's tougher for me in business to keep doing the same thing as in sports because yeah, a little bit more, you have, sometimes you have a little bit more fun in sports than in business. Business is a lot, a little more like red flags and fires to put out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my identity in business was the same it was in baseball. I'm not good enough. I got to be better, right? And the problem is, is there's always going to be somebody that's accomplished more. There's always going to be somebody that's better, right? I don't think there's just one person that's at the top of the best list, right? I think everybody compares themselves to others. And that's, quite frankly, a terrible way to do life. When you're comparing yourself to others, like you're just never going to match up. And I think it's, we all have to realize what our own gift is, what our own calling is, and just compare yourself to who you were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, and be satisfied and happy with your progress. You know, I got a really good friend. He was over, uh, him and his wife were over for dinner the other night. And he's, you know, telling me some of the things he's doing in business. And I used to be like, man, why aren't I doing those kind of things? Man, why didn't I accomplish it? You're having dinner with this person and this person and this person, and then you're hanging out here with this. And then, and I'm like, but then I realized I, I don't want to do those things. That's not who God called me to be. Like, I'm a dad of four kids, and my priority needs to be at home, not going around and whining and dining with the elite of the world and building billion dollar businesses right now. Right. Like, I don't think that's my skill set either. I don't think that's my natural gift. Right. So I had to realize like, that's not my calling. And then when I realized that I'm not going to be the next Elon Musk, not that that's a limiting belief, that's just real, right? I came from a town of 5,000 people in Northwestern, Indiana, where most people were, you know, addicted to meth and lived in a trailer park. That's just the way it was. I got out. So I should be thankful I didn't get hooked on meth. Like a lot of my friends, I'm thankful that I live in a little bit better than a trailer park right now, which at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you live, but it matters who you are and how you treat people. So I just had to just like be okay with not being the world's best at what I did. And it allowed me to enjoy it more. So basically you said, you know, forget the sports. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to go into the business. Forget the business. Kind of the dude and so he decided to start playing poker. I know what happened. Gosh, no. I mean, the yeah, the poker thing, like it was between baseball and business. I did poker because most people like they're like, hey, how Casey, how did you get a start to be an entrepreneur? You have to have money. Well, I actually made money playing in the World Series of Poker as a 21 year old. Um, but it was the same thing. I, I accomplished like, you know, I didn't win the World Series of Poker main event, but I qualified and played in it at 21 years old, which that was the list. That was the bucket list. That was the goal that I wrote down. But it was the same thing. I'm in Las Vegas. I'm in a room of 9000 people. The first place prize, I think, was $13 million. I'm a 21-year-old, right? I accomplished it. But I remember like playing and then losing and then leaving and saying, all right, what's next? What do I got to do now? Because why? I like couldn't figure out a way to be the best. And I'm like, all right, I got to find the next thing I can actually accomplish and do. So I went from thing to thing to thing to try to find peace and fulfillment, which at the end of the day, the grass wasn't greener somewhere else. I think everybody gets caught in this trap of, there's something better. There's somebody else that's better. Like they get divorced because they're like, man, that's, there's something wrong with this person. And then they get married again. Then, oh, there's something wrong with this person. They get married again. And, you know, I'm not saying divorce is like something if you've been in one, like you did something wrong, right? Like there's a real thing. It takes two people. But I just find so many people point the finger 
and say there's other people that's a problem when deep down inside I was the problem. You know, I talked to John Taffer, Bar Rescue, um, and he said, Casey, I've been doing this show for X amount of years. I've met X amount of owners. And I always ask him, what's the problem? And he goes, not one time the owner has said it's me. Not one time. And I had to realize over a course of wins and losses, Gary, that I was the problem and I had to fix me. Um, and when I started doing that, it was hard, but I had to realize like, why am I the way I am? Why do I struggle? You know, why do I, why do I do the things I do that ultimately don't always get me what I want? And when I did that, I started to work on a, you know, a path to like being free and actually enjoying what I did. You know, nowadays, I think it's even harder for people to understand that because I like the past where, you know, where sports was, we had to be the best. You know, you had to be the best to make the team. You had to be the best to win, you know, uh, that player, that MVP part. You had to be the best. You had to be the best. Now, there, there is no best. There is everybody played. Congratulations. So <laughs> it's, it's really hard to figure out, you know, am I failing? Am I doing good? And nobody's really learning anything from anything. And they're just trying to be different people because they've never really found out who they really are. True. Yeah, you got you got to start there. Who am I? Why do I exist? Why was I put on this earth? What what's my unique gift that I'm supposed to use to make the world a better place? And that's right. where you got to start. And I'm, I'm building this thing out in Costa Rica. And I listen. I am no genius, and, and so I went and hired the geniuses, bring geniuses to me because I know my limitations. But even sometimes trying to find those people saying, "Okay, hey, listen, you know, I I might be wrong." Why don't you just go in front and I'll, I'll back you up. And really, people aren't willing to actually fail. They're willing to see you fail and tell you how to do it afterwards, but they're really not willing to fail to see, you know, how can we fix what's going on? Does that make sense? I'm just rambling on. but Yeah, no, I mean, it's weird. I think, I think so. You, you just have to know yourself. I was just on the call this morning with a client. Um, very successful gentleman, just took a puppy, a company public, gosh, six months ago. Um, and now he's like, all right, he's replaced himself. He's looking for the next business. And I said, all right, what were those things that you did to make that company go public? Right? Like, I mean, this was a huge win. What are those things that you love to do versus the things that you had to do? And he got burnt out too. I mean, he took this company public, did well, but he was burnt out. Now he's kind of like, what do I do next? Because he wanted to swear off being an entrepreneur because he's like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And then two weeks later, he's ready to jump right back in. And I always tell people like, find out who you are as a person, where you ultimately want to go, what you ultimately want in life, and then figure out how are you going to get there. And I think that isn't just like, hey, what do you want? Where do you like, you got to try stuff. You got to do stuff. You got to talk to other people. Get other people to tell you, hey, you're really good at this. You really suck at this. You definitely shouldn't do that. You should spend your time here because I think you're just like the world's best at this. And then if you know what you want in life, what's important to you, then it's trying to find other opportunities that can allow you to use your strength to get you what you want. Exactly. I could agree with you more. If that guy's looking out, have him give me a call. I got a business for him. <laughs> All right. We'll do it. <laughs> How did you find your way? Because everybody's probably listening to this going, yeah, I get, all that sounds wonderful. Everything sounds great. But how do I find, how do, how do I find it? Where do I start? You know what? I'm stuck in a rut. Uh, my businesses are going downhill. I want to do something else. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to stay with my wife. What, what did you do to find that, that center and then, then look outward? Yeah, I mean, let's look at it. 
people listen to this, maybe you are, maybe you are, or you're not married. Maybe you are, or you're not a dad, a mom, right? Maybe you are or not a business owner. Maybe you're an employee, right? I just try to find other people that I admire that have good marriages and I ask them for advice. How do you do it? All right. I try to find other people that I admire or look up to as a dad. How do you do it? Same thing with business owners, like find other people that already have and have accomplished something similar to what you want and ask them how, and then develop a game plan. And I think that's it. It's people don't have a game plan. You know, looking at baseball business, you step into the batter's box without a plan on what you're going to do to get a hit. You step into a boardroom. Imagine stepping in and leading a meeting without an agenda and a purpose. Like it just doesn't work. Although most businesses are ran like that. And that's where I kind of help people. But it's like, imagine getting married and realizing I just spent all my time figuring out what's going to happen during the wedding and the honeymoon. I haven't even figured out how am I actually going to get this person to keep liking me after the first year. Right. Or you start a business. It's like not how am I going to create a product or how am I going to acquire a business? It's how am I going to run it? How am I going to create a good culture? So I think you just got to just rely on other people that you admire and look up to in each phase of business and ask them how to do it and then develop a plan. That That's awesome. That's that's awesome news. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. That's basically how what we're doing with us in, in Costa Rica. Every time I talk to somebody new or even on the podcast, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a call after. It's like just... It's never wanting something from somebody. It's always wanting what they can provide you. Does that make sense? It's like you never want to reach out and ask somebody like, all right, so can you give me some money? Or can you give me, can you work for me? It's more or less, what can you tell me to help me do what I need? I want to learn from you. I want to, I want to sponge off you. I don't want to use you as my, you know, my backing or, or something like that. that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you got to be careful because you want to be a giver. You don't just want to take for people. So I always like to help other people get what they want, right? First, before I help, um, you know, ask them to give me anything. But I think there are a lot of successful people out there that will help you, right? That you just need to ask. If you pump them up and admire them. I just had a guest on our podcast, Carrie Overbrunner. And he has a book called Showed, Show Up, Filled Up. And in this book, he talks about how do you basically connect with anybody you want in the world. And I'd recommend everybody listen to it. Because he literally goes through, literally, how do you connect with anybody you want? And he has this concept of show, show up, build up, where you got to walk in with confidence. You got to walk in and help other people get what they want. Don't ask other people for something until you've built a relationship built on trust. Because everybody's a taker. If you can be a giver, and then maybe one day somebody will give to you. You know, you know, and a lot of people are going to turn around and go, yeah, well, I keep giving and nobody actually, there's nothing reciprocal that comes out, out of it. It it is. I tell people because you're not really looking at what they're giving you. It's you're, you're expecting something big for something bigger than what you're giving them. There's always something with somebody when you have that good communication, somebody is giving you that you're really missing. Yeah, I would agree. So you, you also, this, you also went down the path of faith. You, you found, you found faith and uh, a lot of, a lot of people are looking at it right now. How did that help you in your journey? Yeah. So Gosh, I was in my late 20s and remember selling and exiting a business and realizing I was like, I woke up the next day and I was like more discontent than ever. I'm like, all right, now what? Now what? Now what? And a friend told me to read the Bible. And I was like, no, I'm not going to read the Bible. What's that going to do for me? Because I remember asking him, like, how do I fix it? Right. I just got out of a long term relationship at the time, too. And I was like, all right, something's not working here. How do I fix it? He told me to read the Bible. I'm like, what? Is no, tell me how to fix it. Cause I'm a fixer. I'm a doer. 
But I realized the human condition, we're not fixable. We can't fix ourselves. We all have this thing in us, right? You know what it is. I mean, we're all drawn to things we shouldn't do. Like all the things, a lot of the things that are fun in life, you should not, you should not eat chocolate cake. You shouldn't do it. You should probably not sleep in until noon. You probably just shouldn't do it. Probably shouldn't do drugs. You know, I mean, but you know what? They're not great for you, depending on which ones you want to get involved with. But man, they'll have, get you a hell of a time at the nightclub. Like we're drawn. You probably shouldn't. You know, if you're in a marriage with somebody else, you probably shouldn't stare at another person on the treadmill that's really beautiful. Oh, I want to. I mean, we have that thing in us. We're drawn to it, right? And it comes back to Adam and Eve and the fall of man. And I had to realize, like, I can't help myself. I can't be my own savior. So when I read the Bible and I read the book of John, I just said, are you, is this thing even true? Like, is this story true about this person named Jesus? And I'm like, if it's true, and everybody's got to figure that out if they believe it. And if you believe it, it kind of changes the way that you look at life. But it made sense because it kind of talks about, you know, how there's um, living water out there. Like this world, you're always thirsty. You always want more. And Jesus is living water. And when I kind of got that, I'm like, no wonder why I'm not content. No wonder why I'm always wanting more. No wonder why I'm not satisfied. No wonder why I'm depressed and anxious. Because the world can never give you what you ultimately need, which is love, acceptance, worth, and security. Because in the world, people look for acceptance and things and titles and money and worth and businesses and security and a person. But at the end of the day, for me, my own walk, I tried getting all those things in all the wrong places until I kind of realized that, hey, this Jesus person is somebody that I should probably study and see if this person is something that I'm missing. That's where my life really turned. At, what would you tell us where he says, okay, you know what? We went on the path into the spiritual path. It's not something I'm interested in. I, I really don't, you know, I believe but I'm not going to go out and read the Bible. How would you say somebody like to get started? Like, you know, what would be the first step you would get somebody to start, you know, kind of looking at his faith would actually change his life? What would you give him the best advice? Yeah, I mean, first, if they're not interested, like it's not for me, I'd be like, all right, well, how's it working for you? <laughs> you know, all right, that's fine. How you doing? And they're either lying to you and saying, I'm fine. And fine means frustrated, isolated, neglected, and oppressed. Or they're literally just blind to the fact that, no, I'm, I'm really good. And, you know, a lot of people are. My life was like that for a long time. I was just good. I didn't need it. I, I, I didn't, I was kind of doing okay. Um, so where do you get started? I mean, find a Bible and read the book of John, right? It's just a story. And that's what I did. And then you just, you know, find other people that you know that have a faith of some sort and ask them questions. But that's what I did. Um, there's a good book out there from Andy Stanley called How Good is Good Enough. Because we're always like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing good. But what is good? Is good good enough? Uh, so that's a really simple read. You can read it in an hour and a half, two hours. I think it's like nine bucks. Find me, caseycavell.com. Contact me on there. I'll send you a book for free, right? Like, I'll send it to you. So um, that's where you get started. Find me, casey at caseycavell.com. Put my email in the show notes. Send me your address. I'll send you that book. How about that? <laughs> There you go. Free books everywhere. We got them. There you go. I feel like we're on Oprah now. You get a book, you get a book, you get a book. You know, it's awesome. This is great. This is great. How did you, I'm sure not everybody was, was supportive with when you changed and everything. How did you forgive people around you that were, were no longer supportive, but you still kind of maintain friendship and relationships with those people? That's what a lot of people are going to look at. A lot of people are going to say, okay, I'm going to change my life. And as soon as I change my life, they're going to go, oh my God. 
you, you, you've gone that way. And, you know, yeah. It, 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 and then you get, you get those little riffles and, and you're like, how, how do I, I want to stay fair to this guy, but he thinks I'm gone completely out of my mind. Uh, yeah, I think it's not as bad as most people think it would be. So a lot of my friends are like, wait, Casey, you stopped drinking? You know, you're not doing the nightclub thing anymore. You're not going and hooking up with random people and that you meet at bars. Like, I think a lot of people, when they do those things, they know, like, that's empty. They wake up the next day hungover. Well, that's not a good way to wake up. Nobody wants to be hungover. They want to wake up with energy and enthusiasm, excitement, ready to tackle the day, not have to go get an IV in their arm at the local oxygen bar, right? Like, the people, like, I think appreciate it. Wait, how did you stop? Why did you stop? Well, I found something better, right? Wait you know, oh, I found something better. So it wasn't that bad, but in anything, you're going to have haters and that's okay. I just had to realize what type of life I wanted to live and just say no. And ultimately I did leave. So I was in an environment that probably wasn't great for me. I packed up and moved. I, I moved from Chicago to Atlanta. A lot of people, if you want to make big change in your life, you got to get a bunch of new friends. You got to change the way you're doing. You know, it talks about in the Bible, you got to repent. Repent means turn away, like stop doing it, just stop. So I think a lot of people, they do things they know aren't good for them. If you want a better life, you just got to stop. Now, it's not that easy. You might have to invite people in and tell them what you want to stop and why. And that's why there's stuff out there like AA and some of these other meetings and groups because you need encouragement, you need accountability. But um, yeah, that's kind of it. That, that's the biggest thing that people don't get. You need, you don't got to change a lot of times just yourself, you really got to change your environment. And when you change your environment to a better environment, all of a sudden things start to flourish. Thing, the new people that you're trying to change, like the people who are drinking, they're, they're more uh, they're more loving, they're they're more friendly, they're more apt to helping you out. They're more, you know, where you thought your old friends were at the bar, like buy me a drink, and it was like, they, they would do anything for you, but they really wouldn't. The yeah. people who don't drink and when you change those environments, those are the people who actually would do something for you. And most of the time are people you hardly know. Sure. And look, there's there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, you got to Now, what's wrong is if it consumes your body and makes you do wild, crazy, stupid things that you later regret or later hurt other people. So maybe there is something wrong because for me, like, you know, I saw this meme the other day. I have to find it and send it to you, but it was like, 7 p.m. It's like, hey, let's just have one drink. And by three in the morning, it was two dudes in the middle of the road. And they had those those road cones, you know, those construction cones over their head. And they were pretending they were bulls fighting. <laughs> you know, it's like that's where things start. And that's why I had to say, no, I can't drink anymore because anything I do in life, I'm like, I'm all in and drinking like I'm all in. Like I'm drinking. You're drinking. We're all having a crazy time. And you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, boy, what happened? And then you see pictures and then you hear stories. and You're like, all right, I don't. I don't know if I can keep this up. I don't know if I should keep this up. Uh, all I know is the good thing about all, all this is that back when we were doing the whole crazy drinking thing and, you know, it was when I had one drink, you had one drink, and the next thing you know, it's hold my beer, watch this kind of thing. <laughs> there is no cell phones available. So <laughs> nowadays, yeah, I, somebody's catching you doing something no matter yeah. what. <laughs> Gosh, I think I was like in early stages of phones, but thankfully I know there's a few pieces of footage out there. If I ever run for president, maybe they come up. But at the end of the day, who really cares? I mean, the people that are running for president now, they got more baggage than I would ever have. Exactly. Now, Congress so, has more baggage than we have. So, what the yeah, hell? so, so who cares? But yeah, I'm probably glad uh, not a whole lot of it was on video. 
Casey, tell tell everybody you. I know you said it before. Tell everybody where they can actually follow you on social media if they want to reach out with you, or talk with you, and meet with you. You know, find different questions that you can answer them. Tell them how that they can do that. Yeah. So I typically help entrepreneurs. I work with a lot of business owners that are growth minded, open minded. They want to build a big business. They want to make an impact. And my expertise is allowing business owners to get out of running their business and running the day to day so they can own it and they can grow it. So you can check me out, caseycavell.com. I have a newsletter on there. If you want to sign up for it, it's called Friday Focus. Every Friday, I send out an email where it just basically helps you focus because I find that's the biggest challenge that a lot of business owners, anybody really has is focusing on what really matters in business and focusing on what really matters in life. I also have a podcast as well called The Dugout CEO, um, where it's a little bit of a baseball theme, but we talk very little baseball. It's mostly about life, leadership, how to win at home, right? How to win in the boardroom. Um, so yeah, that's just dugoutceopodcast.com. Uh, Everything's at kccavell.com and that's kind of it. Perfect. I'll put all those in the show notes and the book that you said that we're actually going to do. We'll get that from you uh, uh, afterwards. Casey, it was a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. It, it was actually great. I think a lot of people get a lot out of it. Thank you, Gary. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained some type of value. So what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Good Dude Grow.